Today's episode of Peers to Peers is powered by Shopify, the leading global commerce company that's shaping today's entrepreneurial economy. What started as three mates in a coffee shop trying to sell a snowboard has ended in thousands of employees around the world, bringing over 1.7 million businesses to life. You could say Shopify is a peer to us and entrepreneurs around the world. So peers, if you're looking to start your own business, head to shopify.com.au for your 14-day free trial. Hello, peers, and welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. Peers speaking, peers listening. This is a conversation for you. I'm your host, Michelle Akidinol, founder of Leading Australian Podcast Agency and 2021 Australian Podcast Awards finalists, The Peers Project, and your fellow passionate peer. Each week, I invite an inspiring millennial entrepreneur from around the globe to chat with me. No filters, just real talk, peer to peer. Together, we unpack what it takes to go your own way, pursue your passion, and why there's really nothing better. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please do pass it on. The more peers, the merrier. Hello, peers, and welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. What do you think about money, peers? According to PBS, our money habits are set by the tender age of seven. Yep, that's right. Before you've even graduated from primary school, most of your thinking about money is cemented. But this doesn't mean you can't change. In today's episode, we sit down with Amy Schultz, the co-founder and head money coach at Boulder a financial coaching business that's dedicated to changing the way we think about money. In this app, Amy shares why we should focus on financial confidence as well as literacy, the scarcity versus abundance mindset, and how to be a leader when you're going through periods of growth and change yourself. For those of you who haven't yet posted about our podcast on your socials, or if you're new here, firstly, welcome. And please do take a screenshot of this episode right now, post it to your Instagram story and tag us at The Peers Project so that other peers out there can benefit from the wisdom of these incredible millennial entrepreneurs and help us in our mission to empower you all to pursue what you're most passionate about through entrepreneurship. Okay, peers, without further ado, welcome Amy. Amy, welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. We're so excited to have you on the show today. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I know this is going to be great. Amazing. So, you know, you and I recently connected through a mutual friend, Zoya, who's also been a past Mm -hmm. podcast guest of ours. And, you know, when I looked into you and all the incredible work you're doing and finance, money and business, I knew I had to have you come on the show. So I really appreciate you taking the time. Zoya is, she's an amazing entrepreneur. She's an amazing supporter of our business, having like gone through everything ourselves, and then to have somebody advocate for us because they've experienced it is always really cool. So cool. 
I love that. So look, for those of us who don't know who you are and what you do, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, of course. So I'm Amy Schultz. I am co-founder and head coach at Boulder Money. We are a company that's on a mission to close the gender wealth gap. So in everything we do, we're trying to bring money coaching to as many women as possible to try to make a difference in an area that we know can be really painful for women. And especially in the pandemic, we saw women really struggling to stay in the workforce. And a lot of that had to do with financial reasons in their situations. So I did not always start out as a money coach for Boulder. Co-founder was not always my title. I started my journey several years ago as an actuary. So I was doing financial risk management for corporations. I was managing wealth for pretty big companies. And one of the things that I always felt was that, yes, it was a fun job. I'm a math nerd, so it was cool for me, but it wasn't fulfilling. I wasn't like making the impact that I wanted to have. And along the way, I always had my own issues with money, but my background was in finance. My background was in mathematical economics. So I never wanted to admit that. There was always a lot of shame around, you know, having all this credit card debt, spending all of my money, earning plenty of money, being married to an accountant and still feeling like we just never had enough. When my first son was born, this was in 2017, we didn't have any savings. I think we had like maybe $5,000 in the bank at the time of his birth. And I had like between 20 or $30,000 of credit card debt, which like sounds so normal to me now to say it and just the stories that I hear from other women. But I'm like, it really does make you like take a deep breath in like, oh my God, that's that's a scary situation to be in. And again, we were making plenty of money. Like our, our incomes were fine. It never occurred to me that I would want to do anything different in my life other than just like being in the corporate world. I never, I wasn't like raised to be an entrepreneur. I wasn't raised around entrepreneurs that didn't seem like something that was in the cards for me. But after my son was born, I actually had a near-death experience in childbirth. And I had to spend months and months recovering from that. But it was so painful to feel like I don't have an option. I want to do something different with my life. And I don't have an emergency fund. I don't have an effort fund. I won't swear yet. I don't know. (laughs) That's okay. And so it was just like this horrible feeling like I don't have these options. So I started researching it more. You know, how did I get into this situation? How could I have made all this money and have nothing really to show for it and feel like I don't have savings? I don't have the confidence even to like advocate for myself and my career and ask for more time at home or ask for a part-time position, anything like that. And what I found was a lot of research that was being done about women in the workforce and specifically women with money and the way that it's not a financial literacy gap, it's a financial confidence gap. And there's so much that goes into the reasons why we're, we're spending our money, why we're living paycheck to paycheck, even if we're earning enough money, which many of us aren't, because of a lot of issues in society, but also because of a lot of things that, that we don't know how to advocate for ourselves. We don't know how to use our voices. Um, and sometimes we're, we're just not able to, depending on the rooms we're in. So anyways, so I, I found all of that and I felt like I this is what I have to do with my life. Um, I can't spend one more second not doing this. And so I um, emptied my 401k to start my first business and to start helping women figure out what it is that they really want to be doing with their lives and then figure out how they can use their money to get there. And so that was my first little coaching business that I built. In doing that, I met my co-founder who needed money coaching. 
And so we met through a mutual friend. I had just gone through the Money Coaching Institute. And so she referred that I work with him. And I coached him around this idea of like doing what you really want to do and feeling like you don't have to follow the traditional path. You don't have to do traditional things with your money. You can make choices that are really right for you, especially if you have this big impact you want to make. Turns out that the big impact he wanted to make was exactly the big impact I want to make, which is around closing the gender wealth gap, which is around helping women with money. And so he comes from a background of product and design. He comes from this startup world. And he said, I see what you're doing and it's amazing and we need to scale it. There's a huge need for this. This is the right time. And we really have hit it off from there. And that's when we founded Boulder Money. That's where we started this journey of figuring out how do we bring tech-based money coaching to the world to make it as accessible as possible to really reach the audience that we want to and just have money coaching be this new effective thing that more people know about. So that's how we got where we are today. Ah, oh, Amy, it's so cool. It's just so fascinating. And I think hearing your journey, and I can't wait to dive deeper into it in the podcast, but you know, hearing your journey of just like struggling through it and just trying to figure out, you know, why you're still making money from your job. Like you're getting paid, but you're not saving or you, you know, you don't actually know how to best use it and stuff. And I think so many of us, especially as you mentioned, women and even millennial women, I feel like we are, you know, we're so used to that instant gratification. We're so used to just kind of like, we get what we want, you know, in so many ways, you know, and so I think it's so cool that that has become the center and I guess center focus for you, but also for your business now. And look, I can't wait to dive deeper into Boulder, but before we do, I'd love to start with a question that I've often found to be very insightful and revealing. And that is, where did you grow up and how has this impacted the choices you've made in your life and in your career so far? Yeah. Great question. I love that. Um, I So I live in near Cleveland, Ohio, on the west side of, of Cleveland um, in the U.S., and I grew up not too far from where I live now. I grew up in a small town, Avon, Ohio, which is growing all the time. There's lots of new families there. But being in the suburbs, a typical Midwest suburb, I think there was a lot of you. you grow up, you go to school, you get a job, you stay in that job, you're grateful for that job, and you don't really go off the, the the traditional path. You stay right there because that's where it's safe. That's where you're going to be able to make money. That's where you're going to find happiness. And I did that for a very long time. I remember even my job that I, that I chose to go to school for to be an actuary was because my dad sent me this article about how actuaries, they have really a lot of technical skills and they're always in high demand. So that was like what my life was all about was the security and just feeling like, you know, how do you make choices from that place? And so that impacted me in a huge way. And it's also a really interesting part of my entrepreneur journey because I can, when people say like, but I don't want to do something different or I'm stuck or like, I just want to, um, that's too risky. Like I get it because I, I, that's kind of where I was born and where I was raised as feeling like you do the safe thing. You don't take risks because you, you don't know what's on the other side. What's the consequence of us not taking risks? I mean, it's oh gosh, so much, but it's so tough, Amy, you know, it's scary. Yeah. It's different. <laughs> you know, it's so much easier to just stay on the path we know in those quote unquote high demand jobs, you know, but what are the consequences? Like, how do we I think it's like 
you have to think about what it does to your soul to have unfulfilled dreams and to be a little kid and think about adventures and to think about all the things you want to do and the, the problems you want to solve and the impact you want to have. And then to just be raised in a world where it's it's so much easier and it makes more, much more sense and people can wrap their heads around it when you don't go on any of those adventures and you don't do any of those things. It, it takes a lot to overcome that and to think about it in a way that like, no, this is what I want and this is what I want to do and nothing's going to stop me. Um, and I always say if I wouldn't have had that, you know, what when my son was born and when I went through all of that, I came out of it kind of being like, cool, like what else? You know, like there's nothing's going to stop me now because I've already experienced the, the worst thing um, and I survived it. And so it was like this gift. Like I don't I don't have the same fear that other people have of failing or of not doing the right thing or of dying even because I've already kind of experienced that. That's really when I think I became an entrepreneur is when I realized like there's, there's not, if we're not living the way we want to, there's nothing else, you know, what else are we going to do? I think it's so beautiful that you were able to see one of the toughest moments of your life, you know, as a gift and as something that, you know, ultimately spurred you in the right direction for you and what you want to do with your life. And, you know, I think for our peers out there listening, if they haven't had that shock moment, that shock factor, you know, where you're almost, you know, it's it's in front of you right there, right, you know, then. And they're just kind of cruising along, but they're just not, it doesn't feel like right. And it feels like they could be doing more. But, you know, again, it's been ingrained in them, perhaps similar to yourself and so many of us where just go get the safe job, do what you're meant to do. How do we break out of that cycle when we feel like the unknown is just way too much for us to tackle on our own? Yeah, that's a great question. I think you hit the nail on the head when you had asked me, what's it costing you? Because that's really the thing you have to ask yourself is looking at your life. Like if you don't, if you keep doing the same thing that you're doing, can you stand that? Like how much longer can you really stay there in that place that you're in? And the second thing I think is you have to find role models who are doing the things that you don't think are really feasible for you and just get used to being in their space, get used to being in their community, even like podcasts like this, like listening to other people. If entrepreneurship is your dream, listen to other people who made it happen against all odds or, you know, whatever it is that they overcame um, until it starts feeling more possible for you. A lot of times where we grow up, the messages that we hear, they're just from the people around us. And so we have to find these like expanders, like people who are going to open up our world and make us feel like, oh, that is also a normal choice to quit your job and start a business. That's not that weird. Who's been the biggest expander for you this journey? I absolutely 100% have to say my business partner. He saw the vision for this business. He saw money coaching as something that could be this scalable service. And he really showed me what all of that means and taught me how to think of it in a bigger way than something that I maybe would have thought of in just my first business that I started and really being able to grow it and just thinking about it in that way. And the people that we've met along the way and our, our clients who see our vision and are like, yes, this is making a huge difference in my life. It's just been an, it's been an amazing journey. But I have to say, absolutely, that's expanded my, my way of thinking about entrepreneurship 100%. So, so cool. 
I want to dive a bit deeper into the story, you know, so you're going along, you know, you're growing up, you've been told your whole life, this is just, you know, you just do things the right way, you just stay in your job, all that stuff. As you mentioned, you worked as an actuarial associate at Mercer for about seven years, I think. And then that moment happened and you started your first business, Smart Girl Money. I think it was in May of 2018. Could you talk to us a little bit about those early challenges of starting that business? You've had this insane experience, almost near death. You've had your child now. You know, what were those early challenges where you just said, you know what, I'm going to go off and do this. I'm going to make it happen. How did you navigate through the early days of business? Great question. I think one of my biggest challenges, which I won't spend too much time on, was being a new mom and all of the the guilt associated with not only drastically changing our lives to do this, but also having to take time away from him in order to start doing this. That was that was huge for me. Um, and I would notice as my business grew that my mom guilt directly impacted the amount of money that I was making. Because if I felt bad about what I was doing, I would like stop going to events. I would stop reaching out. I would like kind of shut down. Um, so all the, the emotions surrounding motherhood, of course, impacted that significantly. I think another struggle that I experienced was not really knowing who to who to turn to or like where to find community at first, which knowing what I know now about the Cleveland entrepreneurship um, experience for women, I'm like, oh my God, it was right there just waiting for me. But in the beginning, I just felt very alone. Um, and ironically, I have, so I have an identical twin sister who's also an entrepreneur she owns like one of the most successful spas in our area. And she at the time did have her business, but it was already like up and running. And so it was interesting that I still experienced this, this loneliness and this feeling like, I don't know, but can I do that? Um, but again, I just, I just kept pushing on and feeling like, I know this is what I'm supposed to do. I know that I'm supposed to figure out the right way to do this and then teach other women to do the same, honestly, and just expand it from there, become somebody else's expander. So I started forcing myself to do things like going to networking events, which I had hated doing when I was in the corporate world. But now it was different because the thing I was t- that I was talking about was like what I love to do. So I forced myself to go to events. Um, one of the first events I, I went to, I met someone who became my first coach and from there, it just kind of snowballed. I met a lot of great people. And so I think that that first challenge of feeling alone, that's like the number one thing to fix up front is like to find a community. How can we get better at finding community when we feel like no one will understand what we're going through? Yeah, I think two things come to mind. The first is showing up vulnerably and just being willing to say, you know, I'm a woman in business and I have doubts about what I'm doing. I have imposter syndrome and this isn't easy and I, I need community. I need someone who's going to be there right alongside with me so that when I'm down, she can lift me up. When when you're down, I can lift you up. And just recognizing that, being willing to, to put it out there. I think also not having a scarcity mindset about connection, about people who are who are doing similar things as you. Um, as I started meeting more money coaches in the beginning, I realized like the good ones 
have an abundance mindset and are able to like really talk to you about business and share tips with you and resources because they're not worried about you taking their clients because they understand that like there's enough for everybody. There's enough to go around. So I think those two things can really make a big difference. I love that you touched on the scarcity mindset and abundance mindset. You know, this is something that I've personally had to tackle. I think every entrepreneur, especially in the early days, you kind of go from having a lot of lack. You don't have much, you know, if you're starting out and that scarcity mindset can take over. But it's funny. It's almost like, as you mentioned, the best coaches had that abundance mindset and they knew that regardless of where you were at with your journey, it wasn't going to affect them or, you know, take away. But it's so tough to navigate, you know, for our peers out there listening who feel both in just their everyday business career life that they're adopting that scarcity mindset, that they're maybe scared to share with others what they're doing because they think they might take away, you know. And then also on the front of your finances, I think also that pairs so well because when you're starting out on your own, it's scarcity around what you're doing, but then it's also you literally usually start with not much. How can we navigate through and perhaps work to change or just to alter or to see a different perspective other than the scarcity mindset? We have to constantly be reminding ourselves of what we've accomplished and what we're capable of, for sure. I think anytime we have a negative mindset around money, a lot of it comes back to what we believe about ourselves. And so with scarcity, the feeling of not having enough A lot of times it's a a lack of belief in your ability to go out and make more or earn more or get that opportunity. And so we have to constantly be checking ourselves. And it doesn't mean it's not like you snap your fingers and then you have an abundance mindset and it lasts forever. I've had to, you know, check mine, I think, over and over again as things have evolved. Like when it was just me and my business and I was getting private clients I got to a point where I had no problem making what I wanted to make and bringing in those clients. Then as we evolved to Boulder Money and now we're in these fundraising talks, I did check myself again. Like I'm, you know, am I just this little girl from Cleveland? No, I've done all these things. I am qualified. I do belong in this room. And so that's a huge part of that, that scarcity that is, yes, there's enough and there's enough for me so that I can go out and get it. I can have that belief in myself. How do we build that belief in ourselves. If we have, if we're just starting out, we really have no prior, you know, good stuff to put to our name or whatever it is, you know, (laughs) we're really just starting out. It's the early days and we feel like we're just failing on repeat. At least that's how I felt (laughs) for like three years straight. (laughs) Yeah. This is where we're going to get deep with it a little bit. So money is all about emotion, right? It's all about the mindset piece. And so you have to learn what method of developing a positive mindset is going to work with you in terms of money. For me, it's awareness. And then whatever I've uncovered, whatever I believe uncovered, it's shifting that into reminding myself, building myself up, affirmations, looking in the mirror and saying, I can do this. It's the simple things that can seem kind of cheesy, but when you do them over and over again and you get used to talking about money in the way that you want to think about it then you really start believing that. So let's say, for example, somebody who has scarcity about um, somebody in a similar business as them taking an opportunity away from them, right? So you'll notice how you you get nervous and you kind of 
close off because you're afraid of that. You're afraid that things are going to happen. If instead you go out and you talk about opportunities and you open it up to conversations with people that maybe you wouldn't necessarily talk about before, the more that you do that, you're putting that out into the world and you start believing that you are that person that has enough and can have those opportunities. There's a, a method, I can't remember who had created this or who had, I guess where even I had heard it from, but it's called Be, Do, Have. So a lot of the times we think we have to have the things that we want in order to do the things that we want to do and be who we want to be, right? So we have to um, have all the money that we need, right, to be a successful coach, to be a successful entrepreneur. But you can switch that around and think about if I think of a role model or somebody that I have who's doing what I want to be doing and how do they act, how do they treat themselves, how do they treat other people, how do they show up, and we start embodying those things, that's how we start believing it. And that's how we start making those opportunities kind of unroll for us along the way. When was a moment in your journey where you really had to be that, like you had to really embody it? And was there ever a time where you just felt like, oh my gosh, I'm faking this? Like I'm not this at all. And how did you push through? Yes, yes. I remember I had done like a training around client attraction and around um, really like embodying your message and your mission and, and what it is that you want to do. And it was in that moment that I realized like I I have just kind of been faking this so far. Like I knew I had this mission. I knew I had this skill set and that I could help other women, but I didn't feel like I was qualified to do that. And so what I ended up doing was going back to – um, some other trainings and like signing up for different programs and things. And I did this a number of times and I would get to the end of it and I would be like, okay, that was great. But like, that wasn't, you know, like I, I was okay without that. It was just all about the imposter syndrome. And so for me, it's like, I, I just have to recognize that that's going to happen for me over and over again is there's always going to be this little voice in my head. That's like, are you sure? Can you really do that? And I just have to remember, this is my mission. I don't have time to feel that way. I don't have time to feel like I'm not the right person because I am in this amazing position. I do have this amazing business and I need to be able to help women the way that they need to be helped. So I just kind of would always like pretend like I, I believed it, I guess, or like put on a, a happy face and go out and, and get clients and interact with them, in the, with them in the way that I wanted to because I knew that it was just the nerves about making that happen. And once I got there, it would be okay. So for me, it is like, fake it till you make it. I, like, I hate to say that, <laughs> but I do feel like sometimes that's, that's shown up for me um, in a way that's been really helpful. And I think there's like a saying that's believe it until you achieve it or something, or, you know, yes. and I yeah. think, I mean, there are all these, you know, like quote unquote cheesy sayings, but I actually personally, I resonate so much with them. And I think especially what you were saying as women, especially with this imposter syndrome that we experience, like even on the daily, no matter how many accolades you end up getting or, you know, you'd still like, mm, am I supposed to, am I in the right room? Like, should I be here? Or, you know, and I think especially for me through, through the failure in the early days, and it can be so easy to just feel so inadequate and therefore need to fake it just to get through it. What was that like for you? And I guess from the transition from, as you mentioned, your business to meeting Sid to then ultimately turning it into what you've got now, what was that transition like? And how did you personally navigate through it? 
Yeah, that was it was an interesting transition for me. Um, I always joke that it it took us nine months to be like, yes, we're going to do this together. Like I'm all in. It's going to be amazing. Um, And a lot of that for me was just like the Yeah, can I really do this? I have this like little joke with myself, which is hilarious. It's great. But where I can recognize now when I'm feeling like I don't belong or when I'm feeling like I am an imposter and it's so not helpful for our business because we grow and we get clients and we do all the things we need to do when I'm not afraid of the situation or afraid of who I am. So I'll just say to myself, like, my head is effed right now. My thoughts are effed. And that's all I need to know. Just set them aside and just move forward anyways. And I almost put myself in this like other other person or other self, <laughs> if you want to call it that. And that's happened a lot because we really my business and the work that I do has changed so much. You know, I went from just being a coach to doing research as a coach and doing group coaching and then learning the text-based coaching and then training other coaches and becoming a manager of coaches and so there's been such a, a learning experience along the way. And with, with every step and every growing pain that we've had in our business, it's also been a huge growing pain for me too, of like, who am I? How am I showing up? What am I really bringing into this business, bringing into this world, really? It's like birthing a, a baby. And so it's just been, it's been an interesting journey. It's amazing how personal being an entrepreneur is and the things that you're developing and breaking and developing and breaking within yourself too. I love that you shared that. And I feel that so strongly. I think so many of our peers out there listening who are on this journey would as well. You know, when you were going through those personal learnings, but still having to show up as a leader of your team, of your business, but perhaps feeling like, again, just not a hundred percent of where you're meant to be, but now you've got people to look after, you've got people relying on you, you know, how do we stand tall as leaders when we are going through our own personal hurdles and journeys and growth? Yeah, I love that. That's a great question. And that's definitely been a learning experience for me. And for me, I make it about not myself, right? I have to kind of take a step back and say, I'm worrying about myself right now. I'm worrying about how I'm going to show up and am I going to do a good job and am I going to do the right thing? And instead, I actually have it on my wall. It says, what do my boys need? So my two sons. And then what does my team need? And so I choose just to show up in that way instead. Like what I'm afraid of, it doesn't matter because what I'm going to do is what they need or what my team needs. That's what I'm going to do today. That's how I'm going to show up. So I think for me, it is about taking it off of myself, making it not about me in that moment. I want to dive a bit deeper into the growth of Boulder. So you started Smart Girl Money May 2018, and then I think it was about two years later that you had this opportunity to turn it into Boulder. You know, over since 2020, you know, it's been another two years now. What has that growth looked like? And I guess what have been maybe your top key lessons over growing your business during the pandemic? Yeah. So the, the growth of Boulder. So we went from coaching people one-on-one, -on -one, continuing our research about how do we make this the most effective? How do we make this the most accessible to doing group coaching? And so we were working with different organizations, partnering with women in innovation, organizations like that to kind of create these safe containers for women to talk about money and to learn about money and to really build financial confidence. And so we just kept doing things and, and figuring out like, what is it? What does it take? 
to get a woman who, who maybe feels overwhelmed about money or maybe just feels like she's not necessarily in where she wants to be in her life because of money or because of her career and really make her feel like she has a community, make her feel like she has a human coach who's helping her, but do it in a way that's really efficient and that's really getting to the the root of the problem without losing that that human aspect to it. We believe that's the magic. And so we just kept diving deeper. Everything we did, we kept thinking about that problem. How are we going to solve this? How are we going to make this, you know, essentially the the noom for money without losing the human aspect in any sense because we know that's so important. So we did the group coaching and then in April of 2021, was when we officially launched the membership that we have now, which is where everybody signs up with their coach. They do the tech-based model. They get one one-on-one call with their coach when they sign up. Everything else from there is done through tech. But the way that we do it is so human-centered that it's still it doesn't lose any of that magic. And so, of course, there's been learnings, I'll call it nicely, with that, because you're taking something as sensitive as money and something as emotional as money, which many people don't realize, and you're trying to make it more efficient. And there are there's just growing pains along with that. There's It's not going to be for everybody. We had to figure out what type of client we work best with and what client really just needs like that one-on-one conversation with a coach. And then we had to learn about, you know, what audiences do we go speak to where our message resonates and what audiences are like, no, money isn't emotional. What are you talking about? So there's there's all these things of, of getting to the place where we are now, which is where we feel like our program is what it needs to be at this moment. We're always developing. We're always learning. I think with any startup, there's, there's going to be so much change. My coaches are probably sick of me saying this every day, but I'm always like, I like announce something and I'll be like, and this will evolve. And they'll just like laugh. And I'm like, yep, that's life. That's the way it is. <laughs> So from April, yeah, from April 2021 until now, we've really just been growing the membership in this program, adding coaches, adding clients, um, adding our tech developer, building our our dashboard, which will soon be our app and just getting to the point where we are, we're proud of what we're doing. And we're just really excited for what comes next because we know that it's only up from here. Mm. It always is. And I love that. I love that. Oh my goodness, Amy, this is so interesting. And we could talk for days, but I'm so (laughs) mindful of your time. So I've got a couple of questions for you as we start to wrap up. First one is talking about failures. You called them learnings very nicely, which I love. But what has been your greatest failure and win to date? I would say my greatest failure in my mind, what I view in my mind as a failure, which is something that that I work on, is feeling like I didn't know sooner that this is what I wanted to do. That to me feels like the the greatest personal failure that I've had is feeling like I, um, I, and I have to look back and say, you know what, I was just on the path that I was raised to believe that I was on, where I was just going to a normal job. I was just doing the things that I could do to be comfortable. But when I think about who I was as a little girl and the the books that I used to read about the women's rights movements and things that were happening in the healthcare system with women, like things that ten, other 10-year-olds don't really read about. But that was what I was obsessed with. And so to think that it's been, you know, if I was 10, I'm, I'm going to be 34 soon, that it took me that long to get to this point. 
I can view that as a failure, but I have to, I'm a coach, so I have to coach myself sometimes and flip it around and say, I'm exactly where I needed to be. All of my life experiences had to happen in time so that I could get to be to where I am now. I think our biggest failure, I mean, as a, as a business, it, it, hopefully it's not yet to come, but we were pretty good as a company of coaches. We're pretty good as like every setback, we just kind of sit and we're like, all right, we're going to, we got to move forward now. We've got to keep going. Our biggest win for sure was the day and it wasn't it wasn't too long ago we're growing pretty quickly but I remember the day we got to 50 clients and just what that felt like and thinking about like the day we had our our first client and then getting there and just thinking about like setting our goals for this year and knowing that we're going to hit a thousand clients this year and just feeling like that's real for me you know I don't know any other coaches who like each of our coaches have 50 clients I don't we don't know anybody else who's doing that and it's so it's just it's an amazing thing and I know that being in the early stage that we're in, there's there's so much more to come. So having that that mindset about everything is just a part of the journey, I think is what's helped us the most. Yeah. So our greatest win, my greatest win, I feel like is choosing to do this and recognizing the opportunity for what it was. I it took me a while. I was afraid to leave my my first business behind at first. I was afraid to to dive into the unknown and to take this journey. And so I think just making that choice and being able to say that I am going to do something bigger. I'm going to believe in this vision that somebody else kind of set in front of me and said like, no, this is what you could be doing. And just knowing that that's the right path. I think that's my, my biggest win. Our biggest win as a business is yet to come and very soon. And I believe that we're, we're on our way. We've been really ramping up a lot of growth and just so much with our coaches, our coaching team and being able to do different things, being able to do more interviews, bring on more clients. And so I'm like, I'm not even going to say what our biggest win is yet because I don't want to jinx what's coming up in the next month. <laughs> I love it. By the time this is out, it will have happened. Yeah. Feel, eh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it, Amy. Look, over the last almost, you know, four years in business, you've really gone from strength to strength. You've received a lot of recognition for your work and and I guess a lot of personal learnings and a lot of growth, which we've talked about today, which is so cool to see. What are three key pieces of advice that you would give our peers out there listening that you wish you got when you were just starting out? So I, and I know I touched on this a lot, but finding community. So finding somebody even if it's just one person to start who's doing something that you admire, doing something that you want to do and just putting yourself in their world and saying like, this is possible for me too. The second thing is getting support from family and friends. And that doesn't mean money. That doesn't mean help in your business. It means really advocating for yourself and saying, this is what I need. This is my the mission that I'm going to be on now. This is what this looks like for me. And so this is what my time has to look like. This is what support has to look like for me, especially as a woman. And especially if, if you're a mother as an entrepreneur, that's so important to set those boundaries and to advocate for yourself. And then the third thing I think is to always think about the next thing that you want to be doing, to be thinking bigger. When I had my, I always, I call it my little business now, when it was just me and my little business before, it never occurred to me that I could make the bigger impact that I wanted to until somebody else stepped in and expanded that world for me and showed me, no, this is actually what business could look like. And so I think just always 
being willing to open it up more and don't get caught up in the details about what you're doing, but always looking around, always seeing what else, what am I missing? What's the next thing here? Such valuable advice. I've got one final question for you, Amy, but before I ask it, I just want to take a moment to acknowledge you for the incredible work you've done and that you're doing for showing us, you know, particularly us ambitious millennial women that if it's not working out for us financially right now, it's okay. We can fix it. We can get it sorted. If we aren't on the path that we want to be yet, it's okay. We can make the change no matter how old we are, young we are, whatever it may be. And for that, we really appreciate you. Thank you. Of course. So the final question is how we finish every episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. And that is, what is the value of pursuing what you're most passionate about? What is the value of pursuing what you're most passionate about is it's priceless. It's everything. It's the difference between living and uh, watching other people live. It's the difference between continuing a cycle of women who don't think are allowed to have needs and dreams and desires and teaching younger generations that that is, I'm like getting choked up and teaching younger generations that that is the way that we can live. That is the way that we can all show up. Um, so we have to, it's not about, it's not about ourselves. It's about letting others see what's possible for them. It's everything. Oh, Amy, it's been so awesome. <laughs> You're, this has been so great. Thank you so much. Where can we learn more about you and Boulder Money? Yeah, so the best place to go is to our website. It's www.bouldermoney.com. Um, for anybody who listening who, who is interested in being a part of our program, there's lots of information there. Um, you can also follow us on Instagram at boulder.money. We share all kinds of free tips and funny videos of me talking about money. <laughs> and yeah, those are the best places to find us. Perfect. We'll link them up in the show notes. Amy, thank you so much again. It's been so awesome. Thank you. This has been great. It's been so nice talking to you. Of course. And for everyone else listening, we will end with that. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. Remember, Peers, we're here to help you turn your passion into a business. And so is Shopify. And so if you're looking to start your biz, head to shopify.com.au for your 14-day free trial. Peers, that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. We hope you've enjoyed your introduction to our latest guest peer and that you find them as gung-ho as we do. For more, make sure to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, and leave us a review. We produce with passion, and it doesn't stop here. To see what else we're up to, visit thepeersproject.com or follow us on Instagram at thepeersproject. We'll have fresh, real talk for you next week, peers. Until then, if you need inspiration, look amongst your peers. Peers.